ahead of this latest episode of On Message, news that MHP can now help you to create your own podcast. If you'd like more details, please email us, media at mhpc.com. On Message is a podcast from MHP Communications. Hello, this is the On Message podcast, and in this episode, we have gone what young people call meta. I'm Adam Batstone, and I'm very pleased to be joined by some real luminaries from the world of podcasting, because today we are recording a podcast about podcasts. With me is Jane Garvey, who many will know as the presenter of Radio 4's Woman's Hour, but who's now forging a joint career as a podcaster with Fee Glover as co-presenter of the BBC's Fortunately podcast. Also here is Jeff Lloyd, who after a long career with Virgin Stroke Absolute Radio, has reinvented himself as the straight man alongside an emerging comic talent called Ed Miliband. Uh, Ed and Jeff present a fantastic podcast about public policy called Reasons to be Cheerful. And I'm also delighted that my MHP colleague Kate Pogson is here. Kate has never presented a national radio programme that I'm aware of, but what she doesn't know about PR and communications is, frankly, not worth knowing. So welcome, everybody. Now, because I spent a long time producing radio programmes, I've just read a scripted intro, and I've got a kind of running order in front of me. But, Jane, when you do your podcast, do you ever bother with that sort of thing? Uh, No. I turn up, I sit down, Fee Glover turns up, later than me, always, (laughs) without fail, and we start, and our producer arrives, usually before either of us, to be fair. Uh, She gets in the coffees and the millionaire's shortbreads, and we start talking and she starts recording. And truly... We rehearse on nothing. And frankly, that's why many people like the podcast and also illustrates why many, many millions will never, ever bother to listen to <laughs> because it's tripe. There um, you go. <laughs> and Jeff, your podcast, the one you do with Ed Miliband, yes. is a little more structured than that. You have sort of regular <laughs> items. But uh, do you have someone sort of you know, breathing down your neck and saying you must do this now? Not really, no. We record forever. So basically every Thursday, Ed Miliband and his little milligang descend on my house. Um, I've never discussed it with the neighbours and I do sometimes wonder what they think is going on in there. <laughs> and uh, we, we go up to my attic and just record and it's, it goes on forever. I'm used to doing live radio where you just do it and then it's gone. And with reasons to be cheerful, they're there all afternoon. I think he's a little bit in love with me. And I think that he, he just likes to drag everything out just so he gets to spend a bit more time with me. Well, we'll come back to Ed Miliband. But Kate, from the, your perspective as a listener to mm. podcasts, do you have a sort of view or feeling about how long a podcast should be? Do you like to kind of lose yourself in a long listen or do you just like something a bit more to the point? No, I would love to be able to lose myself in a long listen, but I don't think that is particularly practical, nor what people need from podcasts or what they want. We are increasingly time poor, we're resource poor. I think our attention span is shrinking as we expect information to be given to us in however many characters we are now allowed or less. And so I think sort of good podcasts are those which perhaps mirror themselves to the time that people have. And that could be, you know, an average commute, perhaps. But in times of an ideal time, then no, I don't have an idea. And just, Jane, on the whole thing about structure or mm. lack of structure, when you do Woman's Hour, I mean, that's oh boy. obviously... Do we have a structure oh, there. Oh, yes, can imagine. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine. can imagine. I remember the very first time I said, um, they said, you have to write your, your, your menu for the programme. And I said, write it. Well, why don't I just say what's on it? 
And they went, yes, well, that's what a menu is. And I said, yes, OK, well, do I, do I need to script that? And I was told very firmly that, yes, on Radio 4, every single syllable is scripted. And it was at that point I wondered whether I'd made a major blunder in my <laughs> professional life. Because, um, and then when I did say, oh, no, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, can I just ad-lib that bit? They were very understanding and a charming lady producer said, yes, just as long as we know what you're going to say. <laughs> that was 10 years ago, to be fair, and we have definitely loosened the corset. Uh, and I now do largely just jabber my way through, even Woman's Hour. And actually, it's interesting, you say, um, Kate, and I know, understand why she says this, and her kids are young, and I appreciate she doesn't have much time. It's interesting that the Woman's Hour programme is put out as a podcast with additional material every day. It's the second most successful BBC mm. daily download, and it's usually 50 minutes long, and a lot of our listeners will listen in the middle of the night, mm. uh, or, because they can't sleep, or they're not well, or they're looking after their mum, or whatever it might be, or they're up with small children, that's yeah. the other thing, or or they're walking dogs. We have a huge audience of people who listen whilst they're out walking. So, I mean, the commute is definitely one way people yeah. listen. But people who are committed listeners um, will make the time, won't they, Jeff? They definitely will. Yeah, it's, it's so I, I sometimes listen while I'm brushing my teeth to the New York Times Daily podcast, yeah. which is about 15 minutes, which is perfect for me. But you then, brush your teeth for yeah. 15 minutes? <laughs> Can you not tell? Odd shade, shade of yellow. <laughs> I think there's no right length for a podcast. It's as long as it's good. That being said, I'm constantly squabbling with the Millie gang to try and keep hours under an hour mm. because it was getting up to an hour and a half and I felt that was, you know, it's getting to bend her proportions, which is <laughs> a bit much for a podcast. That is a commitment, that. And The Archers, which is the only BBC daily download more successful woman's hour, is, of course, 13 minutes long. Agreed. Now, we could argue, like, like The New York Times, which is a brilliant podcast, that is an ideal length. Yes. I've just contradicted myself, but then I always do, so it's fine. Well, I suppose each to their own. Yes. But it also depends an awful lot on the content. So you talk about people uh, who listen to podcasts while walking dog, for mm. example. One, one of my most memorable moments from listening to Jeff Ned's podcast was uh, a discussion not really to do with public policy about picking up dog poo. Oh, yeah, I heard that. And um, Ed Miliband, the former leader of the opposition, sort of became quite animated on this subject. And I wanted to ask you, Jeff, why do you think... Ed, I mean, it's sort of great that he has, but why do you think he's adopted and embraced this format so enthusiastically? I think um, he was just trying to figure out what to do, in a sense. After you've been leader, what does the next bit look like? Do you do an Ed Balls and do you, you know, go for the shiny floors and the sequins? Or I think with Ed, he wanted to continue in, in politics and ideas. Um, he didn't just want to be sitting there on the back benches, so I mm. went to him with this idea and he really liked it. And the reason I went to him with this idea is I'd done an interview with him in 2015 and it was in the run-up to the election and at the time somebody used a great phrase recently I can't remember the origin of it but it's not mine it was it didn't go viral but it went a bit fungal so they, <laughs> they showed a clip on Newsnight and it was in a few newspapers and they said is this the interview that's going to change people's perception yeah. of Ed Miliband and make him prime minister and, and I'd, I'd seen him speak at some events and do Q&A's with audience members and he was very kind of natural and funny and if you saw him with Jeremy Paxman on Newsnight he never seemed like that so I just thought I wonder if I can get that side of him out which which we did in the interview. And then I think because we'd done that in the interview, he was keen to show people that... And he's been, to be fair to him, he was doing a lot on Twitter as well. He's gotten very sassy. And he will talk about when you're leader of a political party, it's almost like you've got a six-second delay in your head, like, can this be made into a headline? So I think it, it just feels freeing to him. Liberating, yeah. yeah. And I guess that's the... That's the sort of the crux, perhaps, between what you guys are doing, what we at MHP are trying to do with a lot of our clients and also ourselves, is that 
if you are restricted to the questions that people want to ask of you or, you know, on a Paxman interview, he's trying to get you to say something that you really don't want to say, then you're beholden to those questions. Whilst yeah. in your format, you are freer. Yeah. And therefore, personality can come through a little bit more. I've always found political leaders or ex-political leaders seem to be able to sort of shake off the shackles of expectation really quickly and become much more natural and charismatic I think, personalities. I think, I think that drives him mad as we get so much email from people saying, oh, if I'd have known you were like this, I would have voted <laughs> for you. Do you honestly think Theresa May will be doing a podcast? Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I suspect not. I mean, it does uh, seem a stretch. Not, not, every, not every politician is as Kate describes. I should, mm. The other great thing about Ed Miliband is that he is intellectually fizzing, isn't he? He's really curious. Mm. He's never completely brain-wise, off-duty. There's always another thought that you're going to find interesting not that far away. Yeah. The yeah. other point about um, your podcast, Jeff, which is, which is interesting, is it's unashamedly serious in terms of your subject matter, though it's obviously done in a light-hearted fashion. So it's a podcast about policy which would make most people run a mile, you'd have thought, but it seems to work. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was it was important for the first bit of the podcast or, or just generally to create an atmosphere with it where it didn't feel like it was just something for policy wonky people who read papers published by think tanks. Even though that's what it is to some extent, those are the ideas we're talking about. I wanted to make it something that somebody like me would listen to without feeling intimidated by it. And Ed being so kind of open and up for talking about almost anything at the front end of the podcast I think just eases people into that a little bit. We've talked a lot about Ed Miliband on the Reasons to be Cheerful podcast so let's listen to the former leader of the Labour Party in action. But then this very tiny tot came onto my trampoline and then sort of bounced off in a kind of slightly comedy fashion <laughs> and then burst into tears and of course I then you know, people started looking Does at me. Did it look if, like you'd kicked a child no, off a trampoline? No, it looked like I'd bounced onto her trampoline <laughs> and sort of bounced her out. And so I was sort of thinking, oh my God, I have to explain here that this really wasn't, that she came onto my trampoline. But then, but then you're sort of arguing about the kind of a two year old. So I, but it was, it sort of passed off without too much incident. But, but it was, it was a potentially awkward moment. That was Ed Miliband on a recent edition of the Reasons to Be Cheerful podcast. So, Jeff, on the subject of a corporate podcast, for example, do you think that that can sound genuinely authentic and credible? I think they can, but I think the the client, the advertiser, needs to step right back from it. It just needs to be a good idea, executed well, and they need to put their branding into it in a very low-key way, I think. Ooh. I know, Jane. Uh, it's an experienced commercial operator. Yeah, what do I know? I, I did spend 18 months in commercial radio. Radio uh, Wyvern. Yes, absolutely. Where I did do some... I did voice some ads. Ample what car park, uh, Ample car parking at the rear, that sort of thing. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, do I? I don't know. I mean, I think you've got to be. You, uh, Jeff's right. You've got to be a bit careful here because the public are not fools, and they will know if you're trying to plug something and push something. I think um, as, if there's an, I was going to say inject an element of humour, but humour's dangerous, isn't it? Humour can go very badly wrong. One man's joke is yes. another man's 
sick turn well, of phrase. Yeah, <laughs> quite. Actually, here's what Adam Buxton does. So he he takes sponsorship on his podcasts, and from what I understand, the part of the deal is the the client will go to him and say, "Here's what we want to say," and then they just kind of leave him to it, and it's done in the voice of the podcast, and mm. he makes these little jingles, and it's like, you trust him because you know him as a listener. I think that's that's often something brands and that's need a to specific do. kind of advertising thing as opposed to kind of mm. corporate message. As yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think uh, sort of trusting the podcasters to know their audience and and work out how to get your message to that audience is important. Do you think that there's always a potential to make things interesting if you can sort of talk about it in an engaging way? Yes, I think um, it's about finding what that clickbait is, what's that area that our clients have a point of view of or a message that they want to get across. What do people want to hear? What are people interested in? So I think it's our job to work out how you take, you know, your evolution of a podcast that could have been a little bit policy wonky, could have been very technical. But all policy is, is actually the shape and structure of how our system is designed to for the benefit of the people who live in it and vote in it. So what is that link? between the people that design the system and the people that live and work and breathe in the system and are sort of, you know, affected by it. And I think that's what we try and do with our clients. We try and find that thing. It's around what people need to hear and where do we have an interesting point of view to put into the mix. And Jane, the other thing about podcasts, which is sort of attractive, is they're quite egalitarian, aren't they? I mean, I have to be honest, Women's Air, there's not much Women's Air can't discuss. But what's interesting about our podcast is the sort of intimacy. It is essentially about my friendship with another woman mm. and about the things we laugh about and the things we talk about. And I am sent up completely rotten. And I'm, I think I'm rather more generous with Fee Glover than she is with me. <laughs> uh, we do talk a little bit about our broadcasting lives because Fee's a brilliant presenter and she does stuff on Radio 4 and the World Service as well. But we do give away quite a lot of ourselves and uh, and we are mocked for it. But it is all in the spirit of podcasting because people have elected to listen. It yeah. isn't, it's something they've bought into. They want to hear your gibberish. And actually, they're just as happy listening to the two of us talk. They enjoy some of the guests we have, not all of them. We had um, Will Self on our oh, podcast a couple of weeks ago. A highlight. <laughs> well, to some a highlight. And actually, I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the fact that it all went slightly wrong. Uh, and that's the other glorious thing about podcasts. It isn't live. Of course, you can edit and you can make it shorter and you can take out any really awful confrontational bits. But we left quite a lot of the bad stuff in that podcast. And actually, I think it was interesting. And I, you know, I do an awful lot. A lot of people on the BBC do a lot of these interviews. Essentially, someone quite interesting, and sometimes only quite interesting, has come on to plug something. And you've just got to, you know, you've got to go through the motions, and they're going through the motions, and the listeners aren't stupid. They know exactly what's going on. So, Jeff, on that egalitarian point, though, just because people can make podcasts, just maybe with a phone or whatever, <laughs> doesn't mean they do should. They, do they, do they, yeah, exactly, should they? No. I don't know. It's like a fanzine you know, in the bedroom. It, 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 yeah. can, it can be a bit like that. And I think, you know, there are thousands of podcasts out there and, and nobody will ever listen to them apart from the people talking. There's a philosophical question in there some, somewhere, isn't there, about trees <laughs> tree falling, falling down? <laughs> but um, I do think what we're talking about here, that sense of creating an atmosphere is really important. I said Fee and Jane's 
podcast. They're, they're listening for your friendship. You know, mm. at the beginning, there was some kind of vague conceit about the things we've been oh, yeah. listening to this week. Well, and... It was really difficult because I don't listen much to Radio 4 and I kept having... <laughs> oh, why did you mention Radio 4 more? I think, oh, shit, I haven't really... <laughs> um, so I was, I was churning up all sorts of other stuff I'd heard yeah. on other networks. But, people, but people um, just reacted to, to yeah, liking were, you. They, they and it's the like same that. with so many no. podcasts. Like, my yeah. dad wrote a porno at this stage. Yeah. The dad, I'm for sure... The benefit of people so there's this huge podcast that gets a gajillion downloads yeah. per episode and it's a guy who found out that his dad was writing erotica uh, <laughs> so him and uh, two friends would get together every week and read from the erotica and discuss it and it's become, it's become huge worldwide it gets yeah. so many downloads they're doing a theatre tour where they're playing huge venues like the Royal Albert Hall um, for £32 a ticket wow. I mean it's a phenomenon where did it all go wrong know. <laughs> you know they're three or four series in uh, we all know really that the dad is in on the joke and if he's writing anything he's hamming it up but people like the relationship yeah. between those hosts and they've managed to make a, 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 an infectious atmosphere because I think a lot of good radio and, and this is so much truer actually of podcasts you feel like part of a club when you're listening to it mm. it's got its own vocabulary yeah. and in jokes and I think you know, a lot of podcasts at their best have that to them. I think if you feel passionately enough about the subjects you're discussing, you should be absolutely fine. I, I think this forum um, gives people an opportunity to get that personality across that others don't. A press release doesn't. It doesn't tell you anything about the sort of corporate personality, as hideous a term as Indeed. that is. And I can't believe I said it. I'm really sorry. You can edit that out. <laughs> but I'm some... going to use it. <laughs> Someone like, um, someone like Ed, who obviously, although he's an accomplished public speaker, not a broadcaster like yourselves, but it's noticeable how a lot of the most popular podcasts do tend to be done by people who've maybe got a bit of a track record or pedigree in broadcasting or something. Does that mean that if you were considering uh, making a podcast, you, you'd want to sort of hire in someone to front it? Or do you think it's better... Being, talking about your own thing, something that you care about and passionate, as long as, as, long as you can string a sentence together? I, th I think as long as you can s string a sentence together and you are passionate about something, you'll probably do a good job of it yourself. You know, there's, there's nuts and bolts and things you learn over years and maybe you can get somebody experienced to help you with that stuff. But it's whether it gets noticed or not, because mm. that's the problem. You mm. can launch a fantastic podcast. Uh, I was listening to a very good one over the weekend called Why Is Your Bottom So Dirty? And I, I don't know that it's ever going to find the mass audience. <laughs> it's comedians <laughs> in sure. character interview. I mean, actually, I think the last thing the world needs is a, another podcast where comedians talk to comedians Indeed. because <laughs> comedians overestimate how interesting have, other comedians are. Have but... you heard the Naked podcast? Oh, this is a new BBC thing, yeah, isn't it? Bit, yeah. I think it's made by producers at BBC Radio Sheffield uh, and all the participants um, are... Disrobe? Yes. Are well, they are naked. Okay. They are naked. And um, it's... Uh, I've listened to a few of them uh, and some of it is really... Uh, yeah, it's very... Uh, but they talk about anything? Well, they talk about mainly about bodies and body awareness and the insecurities we all have about our bodies. And the last one I heard, and it was really... I do recommend it, was an interview between the presenters and a woman called Stephanie Hurst, who used to be a man called Simon Hurst. Okay. Um, do you know, you know, Hursty? Yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was Hursty, now Stephanie. Yeah. And right. uh, it's a, to me, it was, what, it was the most 
uh, instructive conversation I've ever heard about transitioning. Um, and I, I, I do, I recommend it. it. And it would never have worked as a, for example, an eight and a half minute long woman's hour interview. It, it needed to unfold in the way it does in this podcast. Do they, do they need to be naked? Or is that the thing, you know, talk about well, these you know, thousands the of Google podcasts. To, results. Yeah, or... I suppose, yeah, it's a bit, okay, it's it's uh, it's something that people would click. It's a, yeah. it's a clickbaity thing. But it does lend a kind of, there's no doubt, it lends a sort of intimacy. Mm. And particularly as Stephanie was talking about her body and her new body and she was incredibly honest in a way I'd never heard anybody ever speak before about this process and yeah I, I credit to them I mean it's, I, I didn't think I'd necessarily enjoy it as much as I did I thought it was really interesting. We touched a little bit earlier on this whole issue around duration and I heard um, a, a former BBC colleague talking recently about the frustration when listening to a radio programme uh, which has a running order when you're just getting into something interesting and suddenly you say, no, you know, travel or weather, whatever it might be. And from an audience point of view, that can, as we all know, be irritating. So do you think that there's something about that which is nice about podcasts, that you can give the time to something? Yeah, absolutely. Like, what's lovely about podcasts, and Jane said this before, is if somebody's listening to it, they probably want to listen to it. With radio, you're on in the background most of the time, and there's a few people sort of paying attention, but you know, think things are distracting people all the time, and you're just trying to balance giving the people who like it um, what they're going to enjoy, and then not irritating the other people for whom it's just noise in the background. And with, with podcasts... Um, they've chosen to listen to it. And the other thing you need to think about with radio is people are tuning in and out all of the time, you know, depending on their routines. Whereas with podcasts, it's linear. You can start at the beginning and you don't need to recap half hour in um, what's already happened. Because, from, from a presenter yeah, point of view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you are sort of freed from all, all that um, architecture of a radio program. Mm. That's not to say that it's always great when podcasts are too formless. Mm. It's, it's, of, it's often nice for them to have a bit of structure to them. Yeah. Or nor that it's a sermon. Yes, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. today we, you know, you know, I have this pre-prepared, and this yeah. is the point that I want to get across. I guess the beauty is in that it's somewhere in the middle of that, mm. and that it's up to you to decide based on what you think is going to be most interesting. We always say to people who take part in the Woman's Hour podcast, which people will stay on and record additional material when I've done the programme, and we always have to remind them it's still a broadcast. You can't slug off your mother-in-law and expect to get away with it. You know, you're going to have to be wary. So there's a cautionary tale. Yeah, well, yes. it, it is important that. Yeah. It's still going to... If you want it to be heard, it will be heard, and there might be consequences. So just be wary. And what about the whole question of formality? And one of the ones we uh, talked before about was some um, use of bad language, bad language, sort of swearing, if we mm. say. And effing um, <laughs> and jeffing. One would call it, as I call yeah. it. <laughs> where where do you stand? Because obviously on the on the BBC radio, one very seldom hears any effing no, or jeffing. Although there are no rules on that. I mean, uh, there, there is there's no watershed on radio, uh, and so Woman's Hour has discussed the finer points of, well, all gynaecological and sexual matters at live at but, 10 o'clock in the morning. But that's different matter. People have said bloody yeah. and they have said shit and mm. uh, and I think maybe I apologised once. There are other words that we know have to be referred mm. up, as it's called at the BBC, yeah. forms wow. filled in. But they're for very understandable reasons I, and I get that, I respect it. In the podcast, I, we certainly shit and bloody every five mm. minutes and, oh God... I, I say that all the time. I suck at the radio station when the man, man would come in and give us Ofcom training yes. and he'd put on a slide a list of words <laughs> and how words. offensive they were yeah. from most offensive to least was offensive. Was it on a ligand? 
elegant scale. I like that. Yeah. Crikey. You're not that taking would... this seriously enough, Kate. This, <laughs> is, our, this is our life. <laughs> I'm, just think, I'm just trying to think in our office if there was a form, if there were a form to complete every time there was a, an expletive, then that would be a full-time <laughs> I mean, a job. But what, what do you think, Jeff? Do you think it, it's... I mean, informality is one thing, but uh, as you know, you know the potential, some people can be easily offended. What's your view? Yeah, so, so I, I, having been on the radio for so many years, almost have a, a, a switch that flicks in my head where I don't swear when I'm in front of a microphone very much. Mm. Occasionally, Ed will, and I think it's quite thrilling, you know, <laughs> make a point of not editing out. Like, oh, people love that curse word coming out of Ed's mouth. But, but broadly speaking, you, well, from your point of view, you, you wouldn't recommend I think it. it I, I don't think it matters to some extent. I think it can sound jarring, um, but I, I wouldn't worry about... I'd, I'd, I'd worry about sounding like a cool teenager who realises that they can swear and then does just swear, but otherwise I think it's fine if it sounds like it's a natural it's conversation. Natural, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Jane, uh, Jeff told us that he uh, listened to a lot of different podcasts, mm. Are you a fan? Do you yes. do you download? No, things? I really am. I do. I mean, I and do. And what like, do you like? Well, I like Jeff and Ed. Of course, of course. I do. Um, and I do. I recommend the Naked podcast. There's also Ear Hustle, which is the one about life in San Quentin. Have you heard that? No. Oh, it's very good. It's about life. It's made by um, effectively American prison radio, yeah. San Quentin Prison, and um, that takes you into a world that certainly is alien to me. And I thought that was just a real. I mean, it's brilliantly produced as it happens. If you're a bit of a nerdy anorak as I am, it's brilliantly produced. Lovely, it's a pleasure so, to listen to. So, is it the subject matter, or is it the way it sounds? And is both. Sort of, I mean, you, prisoners are involved in the making. They give interviews to the host, who is a, a, a woman who comes in and out of the prison. But the presenters, the content is all supplied by um, by the prisoners themselves, and they are they speak very frankly about their their prison lives. That's that's an American one, and I do think. The Americans were ahead of us, I'm afraid, weren't they? Well, I think it's because the BBC we're so used to the BBC yeah. doing good quality speech radio over here. Mm. You know, NPR has some good stuff on it, but National it's, Public Radio. Yeah, but yeah. there's 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 not that much. So um, Americans were starved of good audio, mm. so they, they got good at it when. We we were not really thinking so much. It's true, about. actually. They they got into podcasting just because a lot of radio is pretty shit. Yeah. Um. I I will say, for example, I would never listen to Graham Norton on Radio Two on a Saturday mm-hmm. morning because the music is, just drives me insane. But I will listen to the podcast sort of cut down of that show because I I find it really funny. I like the interaction with Maria McCullough and all that stuff. Um. So I will I will invest in some BBC podcasts as well. But that's kind of a little bit like me doing what you might expect me to do. So homework. Oh, yes, and, and Kate, what yeah. about you? What, what do you like to listen to? Never listened wise? to one in my life. I don't believe you. No, I'm joking. No. Yeah, no. Um, yeah the, 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 I've listened to the, the prison piece a couple of times. It just it transports you to a completely mm. different world, and I think that's part of the appeal, really. And um, they did an amazing experiment where they tried to get somebody to sort of remember where they were at four o'clock the previous afternoon and almost subjected them to a sort of trial situation and this person couldn't remember for the life of them. And Mm. it does it does take you to a different time, which I think is what I I look for. So and but I am yeah, I am one of these time poor, resource poor people. So I tend to listen to podcasts of people that really should be reading, but don't. So Gladwell, I adore. Um a lot of stuff is put out on the LSE, um, a lot around the sort of behavioural science and nudge units. I listen to those things that I really should get my head around and help me think differently about the role that I play and the type of comms that we um, you know, offer and, and you know, um, advice that we give to our clients that a few years ago would have come in long book form, mm. but 
you know, just the way that life works. I don't have the time to sit there and read it. Talking Politics is another podcast I'd recommend, and there was a really, really good edition of that a couple of weeks ago, which I really immersed this myself in. This is the in. University of Cambridge yeah. Politics mm. Department. Yes, yeah, yeah. and it's, um, they had Bridget Kendall, who used to be the BBC's Moscow correspondent, just talking around the whole Salisbury poisoning and Putin and the way he um, is such an effective Russian leader, why the public there largely absolutely adore him and the way he needs to be seen by his people as someone who's... Well, he needs to make sure his people are worried by the rest of the world and the threat potentially it poses to to Mother Russia. And I really... I I listened to that and I I just learnt something. So that's an interesting example because... Bridget Kendall's obviously someone who's She's a very a experienced broadcaster, mm, yeah, but she also yeah. someone who knows her subject totally. incredibly yeah. thoroughly. So she yeah. combines that knowledge, enthusiasm, as well as some experience of broadcasting as a yeah, sort so she sweet was, spot. She was a superb booking for yes. that. But it's a great podcast anyway, but that was one I thought, blimey, at the end of it, I'm so glad I listened to that. And just one more question, Jane, on the whole sort of BBC and your sort of brief in relation to that. Uh, Did you ever get any instructions about what you could and couldn't say? On the podcast? Yes. Well, we know that I'm still not allowed to discuss the issue of equal pay. Indeed. Uh, on um, on Woman's Hour, um, I don't know whether that actually that ban on me has been lifted. I haven't challenged it too much, just because it makes it so, so funny that I'm banned from talking about it on the program that's supposed to espouse. That <laughs> actually, I thought it was a better story for me to be banned from talking about it than to be allowed to talk about it. So, but so the, the actual truth is, I don't know whether I'm allowed to talk about it on the program. On the podcast, no, no one's ever said a thing. Um, I mean, to the BBC's immense credit, I'm still employed by the BBC and. Um, um, it does do all its dirty dirty laundry in public. And in many, many years working there, I, I've, I've interviewed very important politicians, prime ministers, all the rest of it. I have never, ever once been told what I can say and what I can't say. I've never been banned from asking a question. The BBC is wrong in many, many areas, particularly in terms of pay, obviously, but... It is also a quite brilliant organisation, and I am very, I genuinely still really proud to work for it. That's extremely good. It's on not the a, this one, I have to say that MHP is also a very an amazing organisation to work for. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd let's say, if there are any organisations listening who would like to pay me money to don't, don't be so Jeff. glowing about them on a podcast, I would be happy to do so. A chill for anyone, really. Yeah, quite. But I do think. I mean, there is a there is a brilliant freedom about podcasts that. I find really intoxicating. I suppose I, I am going back to Kate's point at the beginning about length. You've got to guard against indulgence, mm. self-indulgence, and I, I am a bit worried about that sometimes. I will put myself through the hell of listening to. Fortunately, not every week actually, and sometimes I think, oh God, you know, I could have done without seven, the extra seven minutes of that. Really. I think, I think Jeff, I think you once did one that was about an hour and forty minutes long, which even I, as a fan, found a bit of a long listen. Yeah, it was. It's about the NHS. I think that one. That was the longest. We ever got and at that point and then we did a live show not long after it and Ed said oh we should ask the audience what they think but these are people who are so invested in it that they paid money so we say do you think the podcasts are too long and they're going no (laughs) I think thanks you've just set me back so just before we finish because with all this talk of duration and time and getting boring we ought to wrap things up a little bit but uh, indeed sorry (laughs) I just wanted to get from you all, if you can, something which characterises the, the sort of essence of what's different about a podcast from a, from a radio programme. Why, why should people bother? Why not just leave it to the professionals? I, I think it's 
that thing we touched on before that podcast listeners are so much more engaged than radio listeners it's very rarely background noise and it's it's more often than not in headphones it's very intimate and uh, an example i can give you is when i used to do the radio program with annabelle on absolute you know you throw out topics and ask listeners to join in with things and we get you know, often like hundreds of text messages or emails and a tiny percentage of them are usable we do the same thing on the other podcast i do with annabelle which is kind of a humor podcast about social anxiety and and we've got too much good stuff like every email we get is is brilliant and um it's, it's better than we could have written ourselves There's that level of engagement yeah exactly yeah. that yeah Jane, what do you think, the difference between podcasts and radio? Kate's point at the beginning about people just haven't got the time. The sorts of people you're likely to be trying to reach, and obviously we're, we're talking theoretically, so I don't know who you're trying to reach, are probably not going to have an hour and a half, but they might well have 25 minutes, possibly a really punchy 15 minutes would be just the job. And if you've got a cracking bit of audio, put out two and a half minutes on Twitter. Um, and you know, be be imaginative. Make a short film. All of this stuff you can do, can't you? I mean, it, it's the modern world. Oh, it's, yes. No, but it is. It's full of opportunities for getting your message out there. How about you, Kate? The word that keeps on coming, I come back to, is personality, and also sort of a little bit of freedom in terms of uh, your ability to get your, you know, your message or your point of view or that personality across. I think if you are fortunate enough to be invited as a corporation or as a business, you know, to the BBC to be interviewed on a subject matter, you are very much beholden to those questions that are going to be asked. And even if something has happened that morning that then completely changes the news agenda. I think with a podcast, you have the ability within the, the frame of understanding what people are interested in, not just what you want to say, to have a little more of a licence to, to operate and a freedom to operate. So... There's something there about, I don't know, flexibility, maybe. I always say to people on Women's Hour who come in, and sometimes some really eminent women come in to be interviewed, and they, they I go and meet them in the green room, and they gather up their handbag, and they've got their notes, and I just say always, you won't need your notes. You are the emeritus professor of American <laughs> fiction at whatever it is. You don't need notes to be cross-examined by a complete Herbert like me. <laughs> you know far more about this subject than I will ever know. Have I mean, it's astonishing. I'm talking largely about women because I mainly interview women, but the lack of confidence amongst people is is remarkable. And actually, the, the, the lack of confidence amongst business people about their ability to communicate their own message is also really noticeable. But, but to be fair, if you're going on the Today programme, you need to know your stuff and you need to know how to get it out there and you need to know how to get it out there really, really really quickly because they don't have they cannot indulge you and they've probably got someone screaming in their headphones finish it now i've just had that so uh, <laughs> while we're on the subject of complete herberts we've just managed to make our own podcast by sitting around with my esteemed guests jeff lloyd jane garvey and kate pogson i've been adam batson thank you very much indeed for listening and goodbye message is written and produced by MHP Communications and Mixonics Audio Production. You can find out more on our website, mhpc.com. And you can find us on Twitter, at MHPC.